Yael Osowski from the Consumer Choice Center joins us every Friday morning during this final hour of our show. And uh, it's great to have connections all around the world when we are in the middle of, uh, well, something that everyone is following globally. And that, of course, uh, relates to well, COVID and the virus and, uh, well, lockdowns that have since been put in place. Uh, well, right where Yael is uh, broadcasting from here this morning or at least in the vicinity of where he is at uh, and maybe soon in Vienna Austria yeah yell my friend I hope you're doing well my friend <laughs> yeah we're doing okay here Joe but uh, I have to say overall I'm happy to be your international correspondent I think that's the most important thing well I think it is a very unique thing that we get to do here in that we have a platform that we broadcast generally locally and throughout our region uh, but uh, to be able to you know, have contact uh, with folks all around the country and uh, across the globe, I think, provides a unique perspective, uh, one that uh, you know, no local news outlets have, at least to my knowledge. And uh, with that said, of course, a lot of the attention here now uh, in the United States is looking at Europe, uh, watching this wave of cases go up uh, across your continent and uh, throughout the United States as well. Can you just give us a little insight as to you know what life is like now across the European Union? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, normally in an election year, you're kind of watching for you know some kind of international events that will happen, some kind of military coup or some kind of intervention that might sway things. Uh, but now we're talking about viruses and tests and everything else. So it's uh, it's not looking pretty for right now. Uh, there's a lot of, um, I guess, new lockdown orders that have already gone into effect based all on the tests that are being conducted and passed. And I guess the, the strictest of all of them, I think any of your listeners could guess, is France. Uh, they are now under a lockdown. It's actually so strict that you're not allowed to leave uh, beyond one kilometer of your house, so essentially half a mile. And uh, you can only be outside for one hour maximum per day. Uh, this is supposed to be for exercise. Uh, they're going to be doing that for the next three days and seeing how it works and really if people are able to handle that. Uh, but over there in Germany, north of uh, the border here where I am in Austria, it's actually all of November there will be a lockdown. So you heard it here, folks. Uh, November is canceled in Germany. <laughs> so they're not going to be having uh, any kind of big public events. Uh, there's not going to be any large gatherings, uh, restaurants and bars totally closed. The only thing that they are keeping open, which is, I would say, very smart, Joe, is schools. So schools will be staying open, daycares, and all of the rest. But in Austria, we are uh, probably a few hours away from knowing what the new lockdown orders will be. Uh, the prime minister here, who's a youngish guy, Joe, he's actually about 33, pretty young. Uh, he's actually very reluctant to do a lockdown part two. So for at least the Austrian side, we, it might be a bit reluctant, but some of my contacts here and some of my friends who are journalists say that Austria might just follow Germany. I would hope not. That would mean all the bars and restaurants would be closed. And I'm coming fresh out from a, you know, a hot trivia game uh, over the week. So I, I would not want to have that. And certainly there's so many jobs that depend on that. It would be really hard. But yeah, numbers are going up, lockdowns being imposed, Czech Republic, France, Germany, different parts of England. Uh, it's it's uh, not a good sight to see, and uh, surely nothing that we want to hear after months and months of this kind of taking over our lives. 
Well, Yael, tell us a little bit about uh, you know what restrictions have been in place, guidelines. You know, we've been told every day by our governor for nine months, uh, you know, wear a mask, socially distance, and uh, uh, you know, wash your hands. And that's you know been the effort by you know our governor to make sure we are in compliance. Have we seen similar things in Europe? And if so, you know, if that's what is going to, you know, stymie or mitigate the virus, you know, has it worked? Yeah, that's something that sometimes will depend between country, at least in Austria, Germany and in France. Anytime you've gotten on public transportation, you've needed a mask. And we actually did not have a mask mandate uh, between, let's say, June and about September. So actually, during the summer, we were mask-free uh, in shops and bars and restaurants and things, uh, but they actually did just reimpose those. So we have had the mask mandates. Those have definitely been there, and they have had contact tracing, which they probably have not had in many U.S. states. I know people aren't really following this, but the entire idea is you just leave your name and number uh, when you sit down at a particular restaurant and they're supposed to contact you or contact others if there has been a positive case. Uh, so th these are the smaller things, but obviously the schools are doing very innovative things with testing. They have entire buses uh, that kind of drive up to where a school is, and they have these gurgle spit tests, Joe, where they, everyone spits into a large can and they test it. And if anyone does test positive, then they just ask people to uh, do the schooling from home. Uh, actually, there haven't been that many positives, even though they've done, I think, 7,000 tests or something like that. There's only been maybe less than 100 that have been positive. Uh, so in a way, that's been pretty good. I think it's going to cause just more consternation. Uh, I am totally against continuing the idea of the lockdown, like the first lockdown that we had. Uh, this is not just, you know, Yael Lasowski, your humble correspondent here on The Big Talker, but the World Health Organization has said that the very punitive lockdowns that were imposed in March in many different countries actually have harmed more people than likely the coronavirus would have. And I think that's something to keep in mind, closing down the bars and restaurants and really taking away agency from those bar owners, from entrepreneurs, uh, it really takes away our ability to even be responsible. Um, and that's, I'm not just saying that because I like going to these places, but it's because these are places that are essential to the people that own them, and they're part of our communities. And if all of a sudden hundreds of thousands of people are out of work, as we have seen, this leads to many more consequences that I don't think many of us really want to live through again. Those are financial economic consequences, of course. Uh, well, here in the United States, uh, we've been hearing from doctors uh, talking about uh, care avoidance, meaning people being hesitant about going to the doctor or a hospital to get the care they need. And that could ultimately be leading to hundreds of thousands of uh, you know more death in our country, you know, as compared to what the virus has uh, well inflexed uh, uh, on us. Along with you know, we're starting to get four first uh, quarter grades out for you know our school kids, uh, finding that uh, well, families uh, <laughs> being warned that more and more kids are in danger of failing than normal. Uh, we see all of the stress, anxiety, depression that uh, you know has run rampant across our country due to just uh, you know flipping a switch and saying you know your way of life is over, and now you must uh, follow you know government uh, well, policy and guidelines on, on how to save the planet. And uh, as I said a couple of times earlier in the program, Yael, I'm no medical professional, uh, but 
in the newscast I listened to coming into work uh, this morning, they talked about how we are unable to control the virus. And, uh, you know, I often mm. bring out uh, the question I have when somebody says we have to stop and end racism now. Not sure how you're going to end racism. You know, people are out there. They're hateful. Uh, that's the way it is. There is good and evil in the country. You can work to you know make changes in our country, but ending racism, ending the virus. I mean, these types of, uh, you know, themes that we hear in the news media are just, uh, you know, frankly, ridiculous in the way in which, you know, the people uh, then consume those types of ideas. And then it becomes the narrative that we all have to live by. We have to work to end the racism or end the virus, which we all know is virtually impossible. Yeah. And there's one other thing, Joe, that, you know, we're, we're kind of taking uh, taking for for granted here. If we go back to the beginning of the effect of the pandemic in the United States, the FDA and the CDC monopolized all of the testing and really did not allow any kind of innovation by any private actors. And what that did is it slowed down our ability to test, but it now means that we're relying on these PCR tests, these polymerase reaction tests, uh, chain reaction tests that you know, we're, we're seeing more and more issues with this kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe we're getting such high numbers because we are getting a lot of false negatives. I know there was a study that was uh, New England Journal of Medicine back in August, and it said 30% of all of these PCR tests uh, are actually false positives. So that means that there's actually an issue with the tests that we currently have. And, you know, the kind of government monopoly that existed beforehand to try to get these in order might have not been the best way forward. And some of the numbers now might not be that accurate. Again, that does not discount uh, any of the people who might be in the hospital. It does not discount the virus itself and how it spreads. Uh, but, you know, we're not 100 percent dealing with the most accurate of information but the, look, we're humans. We're doing the best that we can. And I think giving people agency, giving people the ability and the room to come up with new innovative ways to test, that's why the NBA was able to complete their entire bubble season. You know, they didn't have the significant problems that we've had in the, I guess, outside the bubble and life outside the bubble. Uh, so we have to allow that type of innovation to happen. And I think there are going to be a lot of questions asked in the coming months about what was done incorrectly or what we could have avoided. I think looking at some of these tests and understanding exactly what's happening, how much virus people actually carry and whether or not that harms people around them. I know that uh, Ronaldo, the big uh, soccer star, I think he's tested positive something like 20 times, which is not supposed to be the case. But uh, he, he was actually very vociferous against the, the PCR tests themselves. But uh, who's to say, Joe, I hope uh, we can continue to empower uh, many great entrepreneurial scientists and makers around the country and around the world so we can really lift ourselves out of this mess. We got enough to deal with. Uh, pandemic is, is kind of chopping down our bits now. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the extended circumstances that many are living in, uh, you know, within the pandemic and beyond, uh, the long-lasting effects and impacts of this uh, are still not yet known. And uh, we're starting to just see the beginning, uh, particularly within our schools and, uh, you know, the proficiency of uh, the curriculum uh, that our kids are, are comprehending really low levels and uh, have a feeling that uh, those types of numbers are going to become more and more depressing for a lot of families as you know this goes on. Uh, yeah, yeah, lastly on the lockdown in in Europe, uh, you know, are we seeing the death that we saw earlier in the year? I mean, obviously Italy was, you know, in particularly in the northern part of that country and elsewhere, you know, are the death rates spiking along with the cases that we see going up? 
So we're not. We're seeing it, you know, kept under 1%. Uh, so I think that's positive news. Uh, it means that there are a lot more younger people that are becoming infected, but uh, they're actually not having uh, the horrible illness that a lot of people have who are being hospitalized. So hospitalization rates are also a bit low uh, compared to the beginning of this. I think, you know, a lot of the doctors are understanding a bit more about what to do. Uh, but then we're also seeing that perhaps it might not be as, as deadly as it portended to be in the beginning when we got those fake numbers from China. And to add to that point, Joe, this all came obviously from, you know, the beginning of the year in China, and we understood all the measures. Uh, but what China does when there's a lockdown is, is something that, you know, some, we should never, ever consider. Uh, this is a place where I read this story yesterday. There's just a 17-year-old girl in one part of Western China. She tests positive, one person. And then they lock down the entire region, and then they actually test 4.7 million people. And they shut everything down until all these tests can be administered. It's this kind of like very totalitarian mindset that I just don't think can work in a place like the United States or a free country. And while it might be, you know, the, the wonderful dream of every doctor and epidemiologist to try to track and trace and test as many of those people, look, we still have to live. We still have to continue to, to make uh, some kind of work for our families to put food on the table. We can't put, bring life to a standstill. And I think there's got to be a happy medium. There's got to be a way that we can kind of negotiate with this. Uh, because, Joe, this is a, it's definitely harming a lot of people right now. We don't want to import the totalitarian model of China. Uh, hopefully that's one of the big lessons we'll also pull for this here in the next few months. Obviously, Yael here in the States and all eyes globally on election night. We call it election season these days because you've got about a month to cast a ballot one way or the other, at least here in the state of North Carolina. It's election season here in the Tar Heel State with all things coming to hoe election night and then nine days after the election, of course, when ballots spill in if they're postmarked election day. Very confusing times we're living in, Yael, here in 2020. But if uh, Brett Favre, Jack Nicholas, Lil Wayne, Ice Cube, if they all can support uh, President Trump and do so vocally, I mean, could you imagine what kind of broad coalition exists out there in the electorate? Uh, you know, one that we're not told about on, on the day to day. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interesting people who are coming out, you know, and, and uh, jumping on the Trump train. Uh, it's been, you know, it's crazy to think that it's all in the last few days. I don't know if we'll remember any of this come next week. I think probably we'll still be, I mean, at that point, it might all be in the courts, and then it'll be all institutional battles. I mean, there's all kinds of bad stuff that might happen there, but definitely the political coalitions are interesting. I mean, I, I, I mean, for me, as someone who's involved in policy and lobbying and making sure that we can uphold consumer choice and freedom and liberty— I really would want to see what the end goal of this is. You know, are we going to have good political coalitions that will advocate for choice, allow people to have really more of their individual liberties? Uh, that's really what I'm attuned to for Election Day. There's a lot of local elections that you've talked about, Joe, that are really important. So I hope people have read up on that. I hope they did the reading. I hope they uh, studied uh, exactly what the issues were and man, hopefully we can get rid of this and the election season will finally come to an end. Well, let me ask you then on that, uh, you know, when you see 37,000 black Americans in the state of North Carolina change their affiliation from Democrat to unaffiliated here in our state, and, you know, this is Donald Trump aside, I think, in large part, you know, what do those numbers kind of, you know, tell you when you when you dig down into it? 
I think people are, are just generally more skeptical of a lot of these political institutions, and for good reason. Uh, some people really have not had their voice heard. Uh, they don't think that their issues that they're really passionate about are really being discussed in the political mainstream. And I totally understand the largest block of uh, voters in this entire country are actually independents, people who don't identify with either party, and they might like one particular candidate because of one issue or another. So definitely that shows that the Democrats have not been doing a good job. They've been playing a lot of uh, tokenism and a lot of really targeted campaigning to particular groups at the expense of many others. And that's not why we have this kind of uh, great republic in which we're supposed to be represented at these levels. And we are a nation of individuals. We're not a nation of groups. That's actually what they do in places like Europe, where different groups are lined out in their constitutions and people are actually treated differently based upon being in that group. But in our country, it's unique because it's individuals and everyone has those rights. I think that's something that perhaps some large political institutions, organizations or parties have kind of forgotten. And I think that's why you're kind of seeing this push away from the mainstream. Uh, you'll probably have to see the effects uh, come two or three years from now. But, yeah, it's definitely a huge move, Joe. So it's very fascinating. Yeah, yeah, lastly, before I let you go, you sent out uh, Facebook and tweet just the other day. My most sincere hope is that the politicization of absolutely everything ends next week with the, the end of election season. Uh, that said, I point out uh, that the other day my family was uh, carving pumpkins on a Sunday and you had the NFL on the background and my you know, Aunt Mary, who is, pays attention to everything, you know, noticed that it's October and it's, uh, you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And she was wondering why none of the NFL players and teams and uh, everything was not donned out in pink. And, uh, you know, then to one which family member responded, well, we're trying to end racism. We can't, uh, you know, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. We can't pay attention to breast cancer awareness while we're ending racism at one time. I mean, you know, this is just one fine example of how politics has become entrenched in everything and anything we do in society. I mean, please save us, Yael. Will this time come to an end after Tuesday? Yeah, you know, I sure hope so. I, and it's not about people being passionate about politics or ideas. Obviously, I am and you are, Joe, and hundreds of millions of other people are. It's just about how much do we allow this to shape and to define everything that we do. Uh, you know, there's no room for figuring out who's in which party when you're walking down the street or you're buying something at Starbucks or you're just trying to sell a product to a customer. It shouldn't matter what their political party is. It shouldn't matter what their view on abortion is. You know, this is not something that ever should define the way that we treat each other as human beings and surely not as Americans. I mean, we live in this era and we have this great constitution so that we do not have to get involved. We don't have to start a revolution every five years. We're not all having to be uh, elected in the legislature. We don't all need to be part of this huge democratic uh, you know, upsurge like in many other countries. We have a republic-type system that allows us to keep calm, carry on, stick to our civil affairs, and when the time comes to choose someone to represent us in government, we will. You know, it's not supposed to be all-consuming. I think we'll slowly retreat from that. I think whatever the uh, large, dark cloud of Trump, um, I think after Election Day, that'll either be removed totally from the equation and no one will think about that anymore. We can get back to normal or it will be inflated. My, my hope is, is the, it's the former. 
Uh, but we'll see, Joe, because I think there's a lot of beautiful people out there that I want to meet, that I want to talk to, who totally disagree with me politically. Uh, but I think there's a lot of stuff we can still get together on. That's that's really what our country is about. It's not about figuring out who your team is at the end of the day. It's who you are as an individual and what you can do. Well, one can only speak from experiences. And uh, for myself, uh, when the conversation starts to sway one way, uh, particularly towards politics, uh, I often remain silent uh, in efforts to uh, steer the conversation elsewhere when I know that uh, the other person I'm speaking and engaging with, particularly having a good conversation about this, that, and the other, when I know their political beliefs, I'm going to stir them up. It seems as if uh, emotions on one side of the aisle often get stirred up, at least in my experiences, more often than I and me getting fired up based on what somebody has to say. I'm just saying this is the way I see it on the streets. Well, one thing uh, my favorite writer, uh, one of my favorite writers, Kevin Williamson, always says is uh, he does not discuss politics with amateurs. So I think that's a it's a good way forward, Joe. Uh, you're you do enough on the radio. There's no need to uh, get the rest of your life involved in the political mishmash of the day. Well, Yael, as you embark <laughs> on one final afternoon of being able to leave your apartment in Vienna, Austria, potentially today, go out, get a pint and, uh, you know, some uh, schnitzel and uh, enjoy your afternoon because I don't know another day you might be able to get it in the not so distant future. Yeah, no worries. I'm hitting leaders right away, so we're going far above a pint. Thank you, Joe. Yell, always uh, great contributions to the program. We'll catch up with him next week. We'll see what the world looks like uh, this time next week. Uh, who knows? Uh, no one knows where we go. <laughs> well, welcome back to the show. It never ends, and uh, we'll be ready to rock and roll Monday morning on the Big Talker FM. Yell will be with us uh, again one Friday from today during this 9 o'clock hour. We'll be breaking things down from that global perspective. Host of the Consumer Choice Radio Show. Tune in to what he and Dave Clement have to say tomorrow at 10 a.m. right here on the Big Talker FM, consumerchoicecenter.org, their website, the global grassroots movement for consumer choice. We'll wrap up the show after this. (music) 